The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. And now it's time for the Mr. Nelson Show. Welcome to Oh, 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 oh my God! That I believe was uh, Moab uh, oh, oh, being no. dropped on uh, oh, an ISIS installation oh. on the Afghan-Pakistani uh, border. Oh yeah! Oh, and so uh, they're gone. Woo, yeah! Oh, yeah. Man, that's beautiful. I love that goddamn Trump done done it again. Oh, Oh, it doesn't take much to cheer on Trump, does it? Oh, my God. In this case, it was a whole lot. Is that really necessary to make use of that kind of firepower? Well, I don't know, but yeah, Uh, I enjoyed it It seems the president has authorized his military to conduct the war. As their skill, talent, and experience oh, yeah. uh, would dictate. So, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, it was necessary. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh God. God damn. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, Praise America. Oh, yeah. please. Woo! You see, now this is what I'm talking about. This kind of gung-ho, warmongering attitude is just uncalled for. Uncalled for. Uncalled for, totally. God damn. They struck first. They started this war, but God damn it. We're going to finish it. Now oh, we got a real president. What? What's that mean, real you, president? Oh, because what? he's white? Oh, God, no, God damn it. Don't you go there, no, you I little did it. bastard. Oh, but you know what this just shows? It shows that every time Trump's in a little tight spot, he's going to start blowing something up. You, you were trying to convince me that he cared about all those... Kids in Syria who got gassed by Assad there. And, uh, yeah, oh, so suddenly he took action. Yeah. Uh, that was a distraction. What? No, one. obvious corrupt but, collusion with Vladimir Putin. Oh, God damn. Vladimir's madder at him than you are, Lefty. What? Oh, that's ridiculous. Well, not really, Lefty. Uh, Rex Tillerson even had quite the uh, steely, cold meeting with them. And uh, he was supposed to be one of the uh, cheerleaders for Russia, but not so much now. Yeah, the whole conspiracy theory that uh, you want to hold on to to explain your loss in the election is uh, just remaining that. It, not even that good of a theory, because some theories actually have something oh, to oh, them. But so far, nothing. Oh, that's no, not true. That, that, but that, You know, back to my original point. I mean, this idea that, oh, Trump is so bad. Well, if he's so moved by all these poor people in Syria suffering the horrors of war, why did he deny their what? refugee status here in the United States? Because he didn't want to break mm, yeah. my kids. Well, <laughs> you're done. Oh, no. Yeah. no, not by a long shot. Well, yeah, you know. Actually, uh, Lefty, I'm glad you made that point because, uh, interestingly enough, earlier, uh, CNN uh, was making that very point with an actual uh, citizen of Syria. Yeah, let's take a listen to that. What what is this? For the very first time, we see Assad held accountable just for once. That's right. Held accountable for his crimes against humanity. 
I was overwhelmed. Oh, I felt no. grateful for President Trump. I yeah. felt grateful yeah. for the United right. States. I felt grateful for each and every person Man, who lobbied and called and uh, <laughs> kept on talking yeah, until welcome, someone actually listened. There are people in America, and I hear you supportive of President Trump, and so many people are, Democrats and Republicans, but there are also people over here in America who are saying, all right, so clearly President Trump is motivated by just, as we all ha have compassion for these just well, horrible yes. images of, of the, you know, the, these babies who were, who were killed. Yes. Uh, but at the same time, this is a man who, you know, doesn't want Syrians exactly. to come into this country. Come with on. The Thank you. Ban. Thank I want to just you. play some sound. Uh, Hillary Clinton. Oh, God. Oh, we geez. cannot in one breath oh. speak yes. of protecting Syrian oh. babies oh, and in the next close America's doors. Exactly. Thank you. Oh, Thank God. you. Quickly, Kasim, how come do you on. see that? Yes. Yes. Uh, with all due respect, with all due respect, I what? didn't see each and every person who was demonstrating uh, after the travel ban. I didn't what? see you three days ago when people were gassed to death, when civilians were gassed to death. I didn't oh, yeah. see you in 2013 uh -huh. when 1,400 yeah. people were gassed to death. Oh, I man. didn't see you raising your voice man, against President Obama's action in Syria that led oh, us refugees that made us refugees get kicked out of Syria. Yeah. If you really care about refugees, if you really uh -huh. care about helping us, please help us stay in our in our country. Hey, we don't want to come to the right. United States. Yeah. We want to stay in our country. We want to stay in our country with all the respect. This is hypocrisy. If you really care, yeah, if you really care, help us stay in our country. Yeah. We don't Woo. want to become refugees. We want to stay in our country. Yeah. Help us He's establish right. safe zones. Help us. Uh, oh yeah, she's trying to shut him up now. And if oh, you just yeah. give me few seconds oh, just to tell President Trump yeah. once again, please, sir, oh, what you God. did was amazing. Oh. What you did was a powerful <laughs> message of hope oh, for a lot of people inside and outside of Syria. Please don't stop on, on this. Please oh, help uh, Syrians stay in their country. Please establish oh, safe God. zones. Please take out Assad Air, Air Forces so they won't be able to commit more yeah. atrocities using traditional weapons. 500,000 people oh, were boy, with traditional to weapons just so people can know what we have suffered in the past six years. <laughs> oh, man, you <laughs> see the look on her face. She suffered terrible injuries what? and has been driven insane. Oh, yes, yeah, sure, Dr. Lefty. Oh, man, <laughs> Nelson, did you see the look on that CNN bimbo's face? Oh, and she realized, uh-oh, this yeah. ain't going the way I thought it would. Woo, no. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, now that was the look on someone's face when the cold slap of reality oh, hits you. Oh, that's right. Uh, he made a very good point of, uh, uh, if you really cared, why not look for ways for people to stay home? Because you don't want them here. That's what that is. Racism! And live the Racism. lives that they wanted to live. Racism. Rather than having a bunch of people Racism. in the Democratic Party can keep uh, sardined and on... Oh. Uh, oh. That's outrageous! Uh, uh, ...benefits and what have you so they can exploit oh. them. Uh, oh, instead, oh, oh, uh, God, it would yeah, be far beneficial I, I to end the war and uh, yeah. let them stay home. Oh, right. Oh, great. It's just wonderful that uh, President Trump has unleashed all this horrific warfare. Damn right. 
and About just time plastered too. things with bombs. Oh, you're so happy. Now you've yep. got your Moab. Oh, is that going to be a new t-shirt for you idiots? Oh, that'll yep. be great. That's How about idea. the red hat? Just have it say Moab instead of MAGA. Yeah, yep. that, that, that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you see this is what's going on here, lefties? A man who understands what the military's for. He's never Instead of sitting the there and agonizing over every goddamn decision <laughs> and micromanaging it from some what? community organizer. Oh, by God. crap about our military. Oh, and Trump At least does. Trump's got the sense to delegate it to people who do. <laughs> oh, that's just outrageous. Yeah, everything's Obama's fault. Well, yeah, hmm. yeah it kind of is. Uh, lefty, he kind of left all this undone for Trump to inherit. Uh, it's kind of complaints he made when he came in. So uh, when the shoe's on the other foot, it kind of works. And uh, in Trump's uh, deal here, yeah, you're going on, and rightfully so, that he never served, just like Obama never served. But, uh, but- again, uh, Trump appears to have uh, delegated that authority to his military. Of course, well, he maintains authority over them. He can always but... slap them down in case they get out of hand. Well, but you don't convict somebody but... before they do something that's out of hand, which is what well... Obama did. When oh, he, please. Uh, put some pretty strict rules of engagement what? on the uh, whole military establishment. And uh, that uh... resulted in more deaths and harm on <laughs> Our side. That's a bunch of nonsense. Is it this Moab saved military well, lives? I, I mean, it, get real, Nelson. Yeah, I, I am getting real, Lefty. And it's funny you should mention that because uh, what? Uh, a man named Johnny Joey Jones, uh, he's a veteran, and he lost his legs in the war. Oh. And, uh, well, he just had to tweet out his 10 cents on this whole matter. And here's what he said. He said, I lost my legs because my government was afraid to use the tools they had and saw me as expendable. I wish I'd had this administration. What is he talking about there? That's just silly. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm sorry about what happened to him, of course. It's terrible, but I mean, really, what is that? Well, Lefty, uh, it seems other people argued with him online. And uh, uh, in a response to the the argument that kept going, he further uh, amplified his point. uh, he said, uh, we begged to use bombs on the minefield ghost town I lost my legs clearing. But by all means, continue your rhetorically righteous tweeting. What? Oh, man. Uh, uh, see, he's sitting there saying that uh, they were denied this type of weaponry and ordnance that could have uh, saved soldiers' lives because oh, when the enemy what? camp is just completely obliterated. Oh, yeah. Oh, The chances really of them the, uh, setting up their the, booby traps as they're coming for them, the chances of them uh, just but, literally engaging uh, them, uh, attacking them, uh, setting up the well, IEDs, uh, all that stuff uh, they can't do because they've just been, like I said, obliterated. Yeah. But uh, yeah. apparently previous administration was a little queasy oh, about the yeah. idea of using things like Moab, right, right on. Oh, what do you idiots know? Boys. Well, Lefty. God we, damn it. You, uh, oh, lefty. Just, oh, I've had just enough shut of up. No, lefty, God, you, lefty. You're, you're just being stupid. Oh, no. Stuff. Yeah, right. It is true, Lefty. We don't know war because none of us served there. What? But Mr. Jones did. Well, and uh, you're not. You're going to attack us, Lefty, because you can't make the argument with him because he's right. Well, 
And that's all the time we have for this segment. Uh, we got to take a break. And then uh, I'm going to have a chit-chat with my guest, comedian Rich Scheidner. I spoke with him earlier as co-host of the Rob Sall Show. And then I'm going to visit with him here on my own. Uh, he's had a long career in comedy he, with appearances on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and uh, with Jay Leno as well. And uh, he's been in a couple of movies, uh, Roxanne with Steve Martin, uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2, I believe. And uh, he worked for, uh, on The Roseanne Show and The Jeff Foxworthy Show and uh, has a little project coming up with uh, Bill Maher. And uh, his book, uh, Kicking Through the Ashes, which tells his story, is currently available. So uh, we'll talk about that after this. You're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show here on RadioMisfits.com. like the sound of my voice yes you know you do and you want to hear it in the best way possible so why not get yourself some headphones and accessories from tweaked audio key features include eight colors and styles mic'd and non-mic'd versions designed to sound great for music and talk noise reducing design with a lifetime warranty so head over to tweakedaudio.com and use discount code mr nelson at checkout for 33 percent off and free worldwide shipping that's mr nelson M-R-N-A-I-L-S-I-N. It's not case-sensitive, but it is all one word. That's tweakedaudio.com. Did you ever want to get free? Really free? Just shove it and leave it all behind? Free to do just what you please? Joyride. Three crazy kids trying to find out just how fast and how far they can go. Two drifters on the morning sky. John and Susie, or sometimes Scott and Susie, more than just friends. Joyride, from the director of the Pom Pom Girls, starring Desi Arnaz Jr., Robert Carradine, Anne Lockhart, and Melanie Griffith, songs by Electric Light Orchestra. Joyride, you'll never take another one like it. Rated R. No one under 17 admitted without parent or guardian. Like the sound of my voice? Yes, you know you do. Well, why not watch old crappy movies with me, Mr. Nelson? Yes, you can watch old forgotten theater trash polished up by my brilliant commentary and sound effects. Films and movie serials like The Green Hornet, which concerns the adventures of a young newspaper publisher and his life partner. Yes, in their free time, they play dress-up, they wear masks, and ride around in a souped-up old jalopy while fighting crime. And it's only 90 cents! So head over to my video store at selfie.com slash nelson. That's S-E-L-L-F-Y dot com slash N-A-I-L-S-I-N. Selfie.com slash nelson. Get it? 
Once there, you can order some Nelson Celluloid goodies today. Warning! Due to an extreme lack of talent, bathroom humor is deployed throughout the film. And now, back to the Mr. Nelson Show here on RadioMisfits.com. And we're back. And now it's time for me to bring in my guest, uh, comedian Rich Scheidner. Uh, Rich has been a comedian uh, through the 80s and uh, before that, too, right? I actually started, uh, yeah, 77. 77, all right. And uh, <laughs> he, he appeared on uh, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and Jay Leno and, of course, with David Letterman and so on. And uh, wrote for television and was in movies and all that good stuff. And uh, now he's got a book, uh, Kicking Through the Ashes, uh, his life as a stand-up comic in the 80s comedy boom. And uh, I, I spoke to you a little bit when I was co-hosting the Rob Saul show Monday night, and uh, we got through some of that stuff. But I, I was looking over the uh, the, the book cover, <laughs> and uh, it shows a lot of the uh, uh, posters, promo posters for the different gigs you did. And uh, one of the things that stands out is people have a hard time spelling your name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Real hard time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those were all newspaper ads. The comedy clubs would put it in a newspaper. Right. Uh, and, yeah, it was hilarious. I got every kind of spelling you could think of. Yeah. My favorite has to be uh, Rich Shy Diver. Shy, isn't that great? Shy Diver. Yeah. He's very shy about it. Yeah. It's like Shoemaker. He was, he was a shoe. His family was from Shoemakers. I'm from a long line of divers who are very shy. Yes. <laughs> we don't like to take credit. We will dive, but we don't take credit. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I, well, I guess it's kind of a combination of a uh, of a skydiver who's very shy about jumping out. And you can't blame him, but uh, but still, he will dive. Yes, it, it's, it's very different to being afraid. We're not afraid. We're not a fearful family, but we're very, very shy about it. Yeah, not very sociable. No, and then and then there's Rich Feidner, which I don't even know what that is, but uh. I, and, and but the one I love about that one is not only did they get my last name wrong, but they have Shirley Hempel's picture. Yes, <laughs> black woman as Rich Feidner. It's great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, hey, you know who you look like? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's lovely. Then, hey, man, they got your name in the little ad. Yeah, it's, it's not <laughs> and, and, my name. And she was kind of famous at the time, so her fans must have looked at it and went, well, this guy's trying to steal Shirley's ad. <laughs> born in on Shirley's week. Boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, oh, yeah, and before we uh, – when, when we uh, – uh, said goodbye to you. Our, our our second guest came on was Don Jameson, who uh, used to be a part of that uh, that metal show on VH1. Him and Jim Florentine and those guys. Sure, sure. And uh, he did quite the plug for your book. He uh, he highly recommended it because uh, he says, "Boy, he doesn't hold anything back. He tells you the 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 uh, the hard work it is <laughs> for some of those uh, gigs he did, which you alluded to in your story about uh, when you had to open for the Ramones." Oh yeah, just it was. There were so many times, I mean, I opened up for so many bands and, you know, a lot of times back then, this was again the late 70s in Washington, D.C., they wouldn't think to say comedian. They would just go, please welcome, you know, a special guest or your opening act, Rich Scheidner. So I'd walk out without a guitar and audiences back then, they weren't cued to like 
stand-up comedy like there are today. So yeah. they were like, what's he going to do? What's what's he going out there? And they were booing, they would scream, and they hated to see me come out. And so oh, one time I was opening up for the Plasmatics, Wendy O. Williams. It was a punk band, the Plasmatics. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like 1979 or 80, and it was, it was um, uh, Adams Morgan, the place in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. And I came out, and they're just screaming at me. And I, I said, look, and I, I use a lot of salty language. Listen, you effers, yeah. if you – if you kill me right now, if you kill me now, she's not coming out any quicker than than they're coming out. You just have to watch my body decompose for the next five minutes. <laughs> and uh, it 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 just it it became a battle. It became a battle, and and that would get a little touch. They kind of laugh at that, and then they could try to do some comedy. Yeah, that's how you had to kind of have uh, win that crowd over. You had to go right at it. <laughs> Right I mean, I would be afraid. They're like, you see, look, you're going to have to watch my corpse decompose. And like, yeah, all right. Yeah, there were. I'm sure there were people who yelled at that. That's fine with us. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one of the interesting things. Uh, a common question I have for comics is because uh, I think it is vitally important that you learn uh, how to how to uh, recognize your crowd and how you're going to approach them or not. And I always wondered if, if there's a certain series of jokes you have that you'll start out to where you can use it to gauge what they may or may not be into. Well, you do. You're, you're performing. You can feel it. And you're okay. Right. They, they went for that there. So maybe they're a little bit looser tonight. Maybe they'll be a little bit wilder in the, the, the sex, drugs, and the rock and roll aspect. Or they tighten up and you go, okay, let's keep this, let's keep this in the straight in the middle of the road here. And the, the opening, if you know who your crowd is, opening is important. When I first started, opened up for uh, uh, some jazz artists, um, uh, uh, it, it, it was Tony Williams and and, and uh, Tom White and uh, Jack DeJohnette, some some jazz bands and all. And they were largely black crowds, and I struggled because I didn't really know how to address it. I didn't know how to address it. Look, I'm a white guy. You're a black crowd. It, to say something to acknowledge it. And then one day, one of my friends who was in law school with me, she came and saw me perform, and she was a, a, a black woman, and she said, "No." I thought of when you walked out of it there, I said, no, what? She goes, I thought, there goes the neighborhood. And I went, you just gave me my opening. So the next <laughs> time I performed it from a black crowd, I walked out and said, I know what you're thinking. There goes the neighborhood. And they laughed big. And I do the same act. And it worked because I acknowledge the truth in the room. I say, right, right. say, here's the situation. So if you know who the crowd is you're performing for, you know, like when you work for colleges, you knew who college students were because you were one yourself. So you knew what the... To, to do to make them laugh you knew the demographic if yeah. you don't do the demographic it's much easier right right yeah of course like uh i'm friends with uh the reverend bob levy and uh and he said a lot of times uh the, the black crowds was some of the best ones he had you know i mean it's just and it's like you said when you when you acknowledge that reality uh, they appreciate that absolutely absolutely it was just again when i started without that uh, and just going blindly going through the act that I do all the time, you're not in a moment. And the, the, the sharpest crowds, and I don't care what anybody says to me, they're the ones that want the audience, the, the, I want the audience to demand that I be in the moment, that they know that I'm performing here now tonight and not just doing the same act I've done the last right, 50 right. in a row. By rote, they want to know you're in the moment. And so a lot of times heckling to me is just that. A lot of times somebody just heckles once or twice just to see if you are here in the moment now. And then once you've proven that you are, that you there's a reason why you're running the ship, why you're at the helm, then they back off and let you go. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's also, uh, it plays into the, the uh, work ethic of uh, even if you're not really in the mood or what have you, but they, they paid to be there. And, you know, even if it's not, didn't fill up the room or what have you, you still got to do, you know, your best uh, work and then uh, appreciate who showed up. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're not paid to feel funny. You're paid to be funny. Right, right. But not how you feel, you got to go up there and be funny. That's it. I mean, there are nights when I was sick, physically ill. Maybe nights where like my girlfriend just broke up with me, and yeah. you better go up there. And either if you if you're gonna make the break, if you're gonna talk about the breakup, you better make it funny. You better be right. funny. They're there. To, they're there. You got to be funny, not feel funny. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, and we touched on that. You wrote for uh, the uh, Roseanne show, uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Foxworthy show, and of course, uh, uh, I believe how you told the story. Uh, Roseanne, uh, she gave you your first start as far as writing and uh, for television, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Told you you got a job if you show up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I certainly did. <laughs> How many uh, scripts did you write or what all did you go in with the Roseanne show? Well, I, I, there, were, there were, I think, 22, 25, somewhere. There were tremendous amounts of writers on the show. Yeah. So I was way down at the bottom of that list. And I wasn't looking to get a script because a script was a lot of money. I mean, you make a lot of money having your name on a script. And I was yeah. not even close to being there. First of all, I just started writing. So nobody looked at me as qualified to do that. But how I got to write my name on a script was pretty unusual. And Roseanne, in the second year I was there, on her character on, on, the, on the show, as her character in life, she gave birth in real life. She gave birth to a child, a late child, on the show. Yeah. So she said, you know, to me, she goes, you got dad issue things. Why don't you go write a monologue that John Goodman can say to uh, to the newborn baby, something he can just say in private to the baby. <laughs> so I went up and wrote this little monologue. And then when I was finished, uh, the head writer, Eric Gilliland, uh, myself and another uh, writer producer named Alan Steven, so we, Alan and I go down to the trailer. Now, Alan's really, you know, he's very good friends with Roseanne and, and, and a good writer. And he, he and I are standing there. And Roseanne starts reading what I'd written. And she kind of says, well, what does this mean? So I start to explain to her. I go, well, that means and she turns and goes, shut up. Shut up. Don't talk. <laughs> shut up. And she's cursing at me. Now, my instinct when somebody's cursing at me, it's either to fight them or to flight run. Well, I'm yeah. not fight with him. I'm just gonna run. So I start to move for the door, but Alan has slyly hooked his finger in my pant loop. You know, my... <laughs> so he yanks me back, and I look at him. And he just gives me like the the sign, like stay, just stay right where you are, just stand, like you know, <laughs> like like we're like we're being like we're being uh, and just stand still and let the herd charge around you, right? Yeah. <laughs> so she completes uh, her venting at me, and then she goes to read the script, and then she turns, she finishes it finally, and she goes, "That was." Fantastic! That's great. She goes to Alan. She goes, uh, "Look, Thanksgiving's coming up. We have a Thanksgiving show because that's kind of a holiday show. It should be something special." Alan goes, <laughs> "Rich has an idea." Now, Alan and I have not talked about anything. We have not talked about an idea for Thanksgiving or anything. And she goes, "You got an idea, Rich?" And I just Adam, I just blurt out Charlie Hill. Now, Charlie Hill was a Native American stand-up comic that we all love, and uh, and. And I, I just went, word association in my mind, Thanksgiving, Indian, Charlie Hill. That's all I said was Charlie Hill. She goes, Charlie Hill, I love Charlie Hill. That's a great idea. You write it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I got my name on the script. That Wow. 
because everybody else wrote it. Really, I didn't write it. Everybody, it, it, the whole group wrote it. And, and but I guess that makes you the top writer for that particular that's episode. That's my name got on the script, and I still get checks. And the wow. part of it was Charlie Hill got a role on the show, a guest starring role, and he brought all his friends down, and we had a native dance and a and a drum circle, and 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 Charlie <laughs> at the end turned to me and said, "Thanks, man. This is one of my best days in showbiz." Wow, cool. It, it was good all the way around, and I thank yeah. Stephen for hooking my belt loop and keeping me in the room. Yeah, it's <laughs> strange how it all occurs. Yeah. And uh, wow, what a, really worked. what a great Thanksgiving for uh, Charlie Hill. <laughs> and what a great Thanksgiving for me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, a lot of those uh, the shows, it's like a, uh, a, a script writing meeting that they'll have where everybody's grouped together and they work it out and hammer it out. And then right. uh, the main right. guy gets the credit. But still, you know, it's a group of writers. Absolutely. Yeah, and I guess the Foxworthy show was pretty much the same thing. Yes, you know, and um, it was just, um, you, know, I, I, you know, I was friends with Jeff. I'm still friends with Jeff. Uh, um, obviously, he lives in Atlanta. I live in L.A., but he's a great guy. And he, and he, I, I was, um, Roseanne show was wrapping up, and I was walking in the, the same lot over, over at uh, Studio City lot, the CBS Radford lot, and uh, Roseanne was taped there. And Jeff was, was uh, driving on the lot, and he saw me and he knew me from doing stand up. We knew each other. And he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm just, I'm right for Roseanne. He says, well, isn't that ending this season? I said, yeah. He said, well, won't you come right for my show? And that's how it happens. Wow. I mean, most, most of the jobs I got in show business because I knew stand up comics who got series or gave me jobs to write this or that is yeah. the tips you make when you're coming up. They mean everything. Well, I'll tell you the truth. You know, when I hear a lot of different stories about people who worked in television and films and stuff, that's usually the story. You know, uh, and just like you said, you ran into somebody. Well, why don't you come work on my show? I've got going on, you know, you know that kind of yeah. thing. And that, oh, yeah. okay, sure, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Uh, but yeah, one of the things I was uh, kicking through the ashes. Uh, <laughs> where does that? What's the origin of that title? Well, you know, I, I when I was, you know, my most of the 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 that period obviously is over, and 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 I felt like. At some point, you know what I'd done in in, in comedy, uh, I, you know, you're kind of looking through uh, a house is burned down. I always love when you, you on the news of a house burned down. They'll have a, a news crew there, and in the background, you'll see one of the family members just kicking through the ashes, looking for something yeah. of value. Yes, I felt like I was looking through the ashes of my career, trying to find something of value. And these stories, and what I learned about stand-up comedy, and the experiences I had, especially with the people who. You know, the Sam Kennison or Bill Hicks or, or right. Robin Williams or Jay Leno, whoever those people were, Seinfeld, Bill Maher, that, those were the experiences I had and the stories I had. That that was a value to, to maybe somebody else would be interested in reading it. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it's a fascinating uh, uh, insight into these things. And uh, like what I was saying, like Don Jameson was going on, it's like a... Uh, an excellent guide to that era and everything. I, I, it's a strange thing, but like it, it's true that the eighties was quite the comedy boom there. Uh, and the nineties kind of fizzled a little bit. And then, but most of them ended up like, it's like we're saying like Seinfeld and Foxworthy and all that. They ended up with their, their sitcoms and TV shows. And then uh, by now it's just not quite the same thing. Well, it, it was explosive growth. I mean, it went from, I did a count of the standup comics of in the country from the top, Robin Williams, Richard Pryor, and George Carlin, you know, Steve Martin to the bottom, there were probably about four, maybe four fifty comics in the whole country. 
Catskill Comics, Las Vegas Comics. Yeah. Special comedians. There are 400 comics in Toledo now. I mean, there's <laughs> so many comics. It's bigger than ever, but this explosive growth, there are two big eras in stand-up comedy. In the late 50s, early 60s, the Lenny Bruce, Mort Saul, that era. Right, right. With, with Jonathan Winters and, and, and Bob Newhart and Don Rickles, who just died. All these people, they turned it into an art form where what the comedian said mattered. We became yeah. commentators, and, and the, what we said became tied to us as people instead of just like sort of shtick. And then our era, when it became, you know, it was a side dish. Stand-up comedy was a side dish, you know, opening act. When I first started, that was pretty much the best that you were looking to do, become an opening act. There were very few theater acts. There were very few acts in theaters. And then it exploded where it became a main dish in, in show business. A very, very, look how many comics you have in theaters now. It's amazing. Yes. Hello? You think, I thought you know, it kind of went out there for a second. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Mm. All right. Uh, but yeah, and uh, but a lot of those things like uh, well, the comedy boom and what have you, I guess it's a bit of a saturation. But the, like you said, there's so many out there. It's kind of hard. It, it, I guess the competition would make it harder for them to stand out. But also, it's, it's, there's a good and bad to it. But when eras come and go, they, they come and go and you can't really right. recreate it. No, you can't. You can't recreate it. Every era, it's not easier or harder. Every era has a challenge for the person that wants to do stand-up to get to the microphone. There's a right. challenge. Where to perform, how it's done, how many people are doing it. It's just a different challenge, that's all. I mean, the, yeah. there's, it, it kind of reflects society, stand-up does. And there was so much more middle class back in my day, to be honest with you. There's a huge money to be made now. More people are making more money now. And but there is no middle class. You're either making huge amounts of money. You can make thirty five thousand, forty thousand a weekend in a comedy club. Wow. Or you're at the bottom of of, of the barrel is literally bottom of the barrel. I mean, they just lowball yeah. you. Makes make two fifty a set or whatever to headline. If you can't draw, if you can draw, it's everything. If you can't, you're not. So there's no middle class in stand up anymore. Just like there's very little middle class in America. Yeah, anything else? Yeah, it's kind of right. like uh, you know. Well, I'm a comedian, but well, okay. What's your real job? Well, well, yeah. yeah I, I, I wait tables, or I manage this, or something like that. Where the it's you're pursuing your hobby. Yeah, you have so many more hobbyists now. I, yeah. I call them shade tree comics people. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and and there's so many more of those than you ever had before. You didn't have it back in my day because you couldn't get to the stage. There weren't enough stages, and the guys who were doing it, I say guys generically, the men and women who were doing it, weren't going to let dilettantes, they weren't going to let hobbyists come clog up the stage. <laughs> you had to hang to get that stage time. You had to be there all the time. You had to be dedicated to it. Yeah. That's where you need somebody like the, the club owners to take a bit more of an interest of what you're letting in. Because, uh, I mean, they, like, I always realize that competition is good because the, you, you're going to get the best because they've got to beat through all these other, you know, losers and what have you. But uh, at the same time, if he's just letting everybody in, it's, uh, well, it's quite well, the they, mess. Yeah, they have, look, there, there, are, there are more comics now than there are audience members. So yeah. they've got a different yes. problem. They're, you know, if, if, if some place opens up and starts doing stand-up comedy, it's an infestation. I've seen it happen at coffee houses. Comics are like we're like a bug, just yeah. like cockroaches. So they go, okay, the, the coffee house is now doing stand-up comedy. Well, 
there'll be like 40 comics there and nobody's buying a drink. They're just standing out waiting to go perform for each other. So the yeah. coffee club, the coffee house guy's not making any money. He's going broke with comics clogging up the place. <laughs> yeah. Somebody needs to uh, figure out how to organize that. But, uh, but there again, I, I guess eventually it'll whittle itself out. It always you know. does. It is yeah. now. I mean, the, the ones that, you know, the, the, there's still people becoming stars right and left. Every time you turn around, there's some new stand-up comic drawing right. people in the theaters. And that's a matter of uh, great talent and sometimes just circumstance, you know. And, and yeah. you know. Well, I always think it, it, everybody gets it where they're supposed to be. So I don't think there are any mistakes when people go, oh, that's lucky breakup. Man. I yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It seems like they, they worked hard and they got it. Right, right. And plus, it's a lot of money involved. And people, will, they don't want to just throw their money at some idiot just because they kind of liked them, Never. you know, because it's not going to it's not going to last or work out. I mean, I'm sure it happens, but that's that's one and done yeah, and, uh, for yeah, someone to have yeah. a series of films or TV shows or whatever. That's someone who really kind of, you know, earned it. There's, a, there's an old uh, movie called Missouri Breaks. And Jack Nicholson in it, and they talk about this guy died, and he says, "We're sure going to miss Sandy. Every group needs a comedian." And <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's and true. That, and that's and that I think that's it. That's you know I, I may not like the group or the comedian they chose, but just because I'm not a fan doesn't mean that they don't deserve to have that person be their comedian. They chose that comedian. Right. Right. You know, and that's true of every aspect. You know, there's always going to be something you're not all that crazy about. You're never going to understand why people love it, whatever it is. And that's just the way it is. But you don't necessarily have to dump on them about it. You just, well, I just didn't like that, but someone I, else did. Yeah, I always had a problem with anybody who reviews a stand-up show if they don't put in how the audience reacted. Right, have, right. It'll be subjective and the reviewer is going to say, I didn't like this or that. But you've got to say, hey, the audience loved it. He he or she destroyed the audience. They laughed like crazy or they didn't. You've got to put in the audience reaction. That's everything. Right. And I mean, it's like film critics. They didn't like the movie, but well, it, it made $800 million. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody yeah. liked it. So you, you yeah. ought to at least acknowledge that. You can't, you, you can't judge stand up comedy without the audience reaction. Cause you, without the audience reaction, there's no stand up comedy anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. It's just, it wasn't you and the guy in the room alone. No, no. <laughs> Oh yeah, when you get the big laugh, you know, and, and that's, that's another thing. A lot of comics have heard this is like it's almost like a, a an addiction. It's, it's quite the high when you really get a, an audience roaring. No, you know, it is totally to me. Yeah. Totally, if you're a true comic, that's our music. I mean, I can hear that laughter. I can hear the highs and lows of it. I can hear when it's rising. I, I can feel it, and, and and I can pick out different laughs in it. Sometimes I can hear I can hear that individual laughing that's a little bit harder or whatever. And I can hear if it gets too bass, which means I'm 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 leaning to the men too much or too too uh, high pitch, which means I'm I'm maybe going to the women too much. You know, I I can feel it. I can feel it. I can feel the balance of it. Man, wow, you're like a you're like a conductor. No, we do. We it's our it's my music. It's my yeah. music. I hear. I I can't. I'm I'm tone deaf. I can't carry a tune in a bucket, but with laughter, I can heal it. I can feel it. I can, you know, every every bit of its part. Yeah, and that comes with experience, kids. You gotta, <laughs> yeah. gotta read that C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're, but but I'm, it's not just experience. When you first get up there and you hear it, there's an immediate addiction for the true comic. There's an right. immediate addiction. You go, I want more of this. I mean, you you learn to to become more of, of a, a I don't want to say an artist about it, but to 
to be able to discern the different laughter. But when you first get up there, the laughter is the laughter, and you know right. it, and you feel it. It's good. I think I was I was listening to some comedians talk about the the business, and I, maybe it was like Jim Norton or someone like that was saying that that might explain to some extent that a lot of uh, comedians you know had drug abuse or alcohol that sort of thing, and a lot of that was because. Uh, the constant one of the high of the audience, but you can't always be in an audience twenty four seven. So they kind of fell onto other other avenues of uh, you know uh, drugs and what have you. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely there's a factor for me. I do believe I chased that stage high a long long time. I'd come off the stage, I wouldn't want to come down. There's right. that. I, I and but I I don't know if there are more stand up comic alcoholics and drug addicts than there are dentists. Or, yeah. uh, or, or carpenters or uh, tire salesmen. I don't know if there are any more or less. I know we yeah. get more t- free time. That could be a problem. When you're only committed, you only have to work one hour or two hours a night if you have two shows. Or it, Then you've got 23 hours or 22 hours to kill in between. It could lend itself to um, more addictions. You know, you find yourself gambling more, chasing women, uh, chasing guys. Uh, chasing women and guys, uh, yes. alcohol, yeah, all becomes more available the time. And if you're chasing something else, I don't want to know. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, with these kids today, who knows what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, you, uh, like your uh, forward for your book is our introduction, uh, written by Bill Maher, who uh, is an old friend of yours, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, on your site, you're saying you're working on a project with him on his uh, his book, True Story, for HBO. So, uh, yeah, what's I, the stages I, of that? Uh, it's up to Bill. I mean, I I, I was you know he hired me to um, uh, rewrite a script that he already had, so we did a page run, one rewrite on it, and um, it's up to Bill to do whatever he wants to do. It's a it's a great book that he wrote. It's a very funny book. It's it's very insightful in stand up comedy and also other things. Uh, um, but um, it's up to Bill what he wants to do with it now. I I did my part, so now I'm writing something else. And um, but yeah, it's good. It was good working with him. You know, I've known Bill a long time. I've always been an admirer of him. He's not only very funny, but he's very he works very hard. He's got tremendous discipline. Yeah, there's a lot to admire with Bill as as a stand-up comic. Well, I haven't read the book, so uh, could you elaborate on what it's what what it refers to? Well, the book takes place in 1979. And then 1980, so it's right there when the, the comedy explosion happens because the clubs exploded early 80s. So this is a time period when the showcase clubs in New York were everything. Catch a Rising Star is really the basis for the club that, that Bill talks about. Bill was an MC there. The other MCs there were Richard Belzer and Adrian Tulsh, who just passed, oh, yeah. Rogers. And these guys were, and, and Adrian, they, they really had a lot of power. They chose which act came on next and who was going to perform next. And the, the, these clubs made careers. I mean, Johnny Carson would come in and discover comedian like he did with David Say, who was yeah. a rising star. So uh, the Improvisation was the other comedy club in New York City in the comic strip. So these three clubs really, there weren't comedy clubs in every town. There weren't comedy clubs anywhere other than Los Angeles and New York. And yeah. in the 70s, little scenes started with bars around the country in Boston or Washington, D.C., where I was, or Philadelphia or Houston, San Francisco couple of places where uh, Chicago where um, bars started but the the showcase scenes in New York and LA were very powerful and then when the clubs started happening and the road opened up 
that's when the 1980s. So that's when it, it shifted over. You know, it changed. It started yeah. to change. Well, that's really cool because uh, I'm thinking about this. Uh, this would make a great companion piece to, to your book. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the, the origin of the scene and then uh, your 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 yeah. uh, story. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and Bill and Bill had a very interesting take. I mean, I know they they talked about. See, what happened was back in 1979, and the Showtime's making a series about it now. It's based upon the book I'm dying up here. Was the strike of uh, the comedy strike in Los Angeles, 1979? So they they had a strike and it was successful. They got they started getting paid. Well, in New York City, uh, there was the same movement where people wanted to form a union and have a strike, and it didn't work. It was totally different circumstance, and the and the timing had changed, and timing, and it was a different place in New York City. And it was a, a little bit different time. It came at the end of 1979 instead of the summer. So the clubs started to open. These clubs on the road started to open, and it really wasn't the uh, need to be in New York City to make money. Yeah, you do it elsewhere. The things started to change. Yeah, that's strange. Uh, it's like uh, 79. You know, it's like well, you know, when a decade ends, it's just another day. But it really does. <laughs> It's a, it's a, the seventies to the eighties are completely different. Huge change. I mean, yeah. huge change. I mean, the Reagan election, yeah. uh, just everything sort of signaled a different time. And the, uh, and the baby boomers were getting older and they, and yes. the primary form of entertainment before that were rock concerts. And so besides movies, um, baby boomers were looking for some place to go on a date, you know, have a little dinner and see a show. Well, the, the dinner shows that our parents went to, you know, getting dressed up and going to see, um, you know, a show, just it didn't appeal to us. And those clubs right. and those places died out. And then the comedy club came and was the perfect substitute. It was a perfect place to go take a date. And then, you know, our generation started to get older and started to date for, and got married and all that sort of thing happened in the 80s. Yeah, it all flows together and makes sense, and it's like a, uh, these little avenues gives you like a cultural map uh, of the of the times and, yeah. uh, and what affected them and where they went and all that. It's all very fascinating. And uh, uh, well, uh, I'm going to buy the book, Rich. Uh, I've got to see this, <laughs> and uh, I look and I do I do hope the uh, the Bill Maher project comes together because I think that'll be like I said a really good uh, companion piece. But of course, people can purchase that book as well. Yeah, yeah, true story. It's good. It's I think you can still find it. It's still it was like a nineteen ninety two book. Yeah, well, I'll find it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, really appreciate you coming on and take, yeah. spending some time with me. Uh, and uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime. Uh, I'll, uh, we'll keep in touch with you and uh, see where you're going. And uh, like I said, I'm going to uh, read that book. And I appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate you visiting with on the Rob Saul show as well. I, I appreciate it. You know, come back, Doug. After you after you've read it, come back and we'll talk again and see what you think. Right, right. Good, I good idea. I should be the one thinking of that, but <laughs> someone's always else got it. Yeah, but good idea, Rich. Yeah, that way. There's a show. All right, we'll do that. All right. Oh, and uh, thanks to our mutual friend Steve Cooper. I uh, love the Coop. Yes, uh, yes. Moving back to the East Coast, but good for him. I know. I'm like, what do you? Well, but but that's where he's from, you know. That's where yeah. he, he wants says he wants to get back into comedy too. So yeah. So good luck to Steve. We, yeah, I I say that wholeheartedly. Okay, thanks for visiting here, uh, Rich. Thank you very right. much. Thanks, Doug. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. 
You're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show here on RadioMisfits.com. Say, friends, why don't you help out the Nelson Show by visiting my many stores? Yes, you know, if you've been a regular listener, you've heard that I have a store at Selfie.com. Selfie.com slash Nelson. Yes, there you can find all my little videos. Yes, videos of old movies, old sci-fi and old horror movies, things like that, with my delightful commentary and liberal use of cartoon sound effects. Yes, 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 lots of fun. But if that's not enough for you, you can head over to rifttracks.com slash iRiffs slash Nelson dash theater. That's iRiffs with an I. R-I-F-F-S slash Nelson N-A-I-L-S-I-N dash theater spelled the old English way. P-H-E-A-T-R-E. Yes, it's just that simple. Rifttracks.com slash iRiffs slash Nelson dash theater. There you'll find... More of the same films I've done, but also some extra ones, including Batman and Robin. Yes, the old 40s serial of these uh, dynamic duo guys. And uh, once again, my sound effects and uh, wonderful commentary. Yes, also, there's Society6.com slash Mr. Nelson, all one word, where you can get my t-shirts of a different variety of designs. And art prints, mugs, pillows, even clocks. Yes, and much more. So head over to Society6.com slash Mr. Nelson for those goodies. And of course, don't forget Selfie.com slash Nelson. That's Selfie.com slash N-A-I-L-S-I-N. Yes, it's just that simple. And you can help out your old pal, Mr. Nelson. Yes, yes. Yes, yes you can. And now it's time for Coming Attractions, where Mr. Nelson sits and watches movie and television trailers while you sit there and listen. Yes, yes. Okay, welcome back. Uh, it's time for another edition of Coming Attractions. Uh, yeah, uh, just two uh, trailers here. One a film, which we kind of talk, talked about in an earlier show a little bit, uh, Thor Ragnarok. And uh, the next one will be a television series that was a movie. Uh, previously yeah, called The Mist, which is based on the Stephen King story. So we'll get to that one after we deal with the upcoming superhero movie, Thor Ragnarok, which will be the third uh, film in that particular Marvel superheroes series. So let's uh, take a listen to that, shall we? All yes, right. yes, we shall. If we bust. Looks like you done went to hell. Yeah. Well, I know what you're thinking. Yeah. Boy, how did this happen? Well, yeah, it's the first scene of the movie, huh? Well, it's a long story. Yeah, two hours long. <laughs> Whoa, man, should have blew up his lightning stick. That's a lightning camera. Alright, we got some zipping. Oh god, so that's what? A reindeer lady? No. Asgard is dead. Oh. Yep, looks like it to me. Hi there. He's like a little Superman. Dude. Yeah, well, kind of. What? That's all Star Wars. What is this? Well, I guess we'll have to see the movie. 
What have you brought today? Tell me. Hey, it's the fly. <laughs> It's main event time. We get my hair cut and some more paint. Yeah. Oh, he's finally gonna wear his Thor helmet. I give you your incredible. Well, looks like the Hulk will be in this movie. We know each other. He's a friend from work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. Whoops. Yeah, yeah, that CGI just hasn't gotten any better. What? Uh, well, yeah, it looks like it might be a cool film. Uh, I guess I'll go out and recommend this one. <laughs> well, of course you would. I mean, uh, yeah. big fights, boom, uh, boom. But yeah, anyway, well, uh, yeah, yeah this is sort of loosely based uh, on a comic book right series called yeah. Planet Hulk, in which uh, apparently Iron Man, uh, tired of the Hulk's uh, rampaging and tearing stuff up, Shot him into space, and he ended up on this alien planet where they had uh, gladiator fights, and Boom. that's where the Hulk ended up. I don't uh, recall the uh, Thor being involved in any of that, but now, uh, for the purposes of the movie, uh, uh, he he is. And it looks like he's lost his hammer, he's been destroyed, his home of Asgard's been burnt down, well, and now he's stuck in some gladi- gladiator ring with the Hulk. And, uh-huh. Well, I guess he's going to have to claw his way back to the top. So, uh... So we'll see how that happens, but uh, looks pretty cool and good. So I'm in, and I, I will be uh, going huh. to that movie. Well, you know, Nelson, I hate to kind of agree with Lefty a little bit here, but huh? man, you well, know a little too much about all exactly. this stuff. Thank I mean, you. Just saying. Yes. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, gentlemen, well, and your opinion is both noted and ignored. Uh, uh, all right, uh, the next uh, little trailer we've got to look at <sighs> is uh, The Mist, coming to uh, Spike TV. Uh, uh, the Spike Channel, whatever they call it, just Spike, I guess. Uh, originally, this was a movie directed by Frank Darabont uh, from the Stephen King story about a mysterious mist that takes over a... Oh, uh, mist, I thought you said mist. ...or somewhere on the East Coast. Uh, and... Uh, these people get trapped in a grocery store, and the mist, of course, has all kind of weird uh, monsters coming out of it. And things pretty much go downhill after that. Uh, I, it, it, I enjoyed the way. film. It was pretty good. I did not at all care for the anti-Christian bigotry that is what? rife in it. Uh, that is the low point. But what do you expect from a lefty what? like? Uh, I don't mean you, lefty. I mean well, a lefty like uh, yeah. Stephen King. Uh, based well, on that, I'm liking this already. already. Of course, uh, yeah. But uh, in the ending of the movie, I never did read the story. But apparently, the ending in the movie is very different from uh, the book. And uh, even King had to admit, apparently, that he preferred the movie's ending. Uh, it's a tear jerking and a quite a gut wrenching ending. But uh, it uh, it. Uh, it's it's pretty phenomenal. Uh, so uh, you can look that up. But meanwhile, the TV series, I don't know, I don't know if it's connected to the film or it's just going to tell a different story about the same type of deal. You know, the, the mist comes in and people are trapped, but uh, it'll go in its own direction, basically like that. 
which uh, is kind of like The Walking Dead did, where it doesn't, it, of course, The Walking Dead really does stay loyal to the comic book sometimes, but for the most part, it does take quite a different direction here and there, different characters and all that. Hmm. So, uh, we'll see what we've got here with uh, uh, The Mist. Huh, well, I don't know. Oh, there's The Mist going over the town. Yep, and the cops are all out wondering, what the hell, I've never seen a fog before. Wow, well, that is a mountain of fog. It sure is, fam. Spike presents. I woke up in the mountains and couldn't even remember my name. Oh, that happens when Lock you get stoned. So they're going to get trapped in a mall this time. What was it? Kind of like What'd you see? Dawn of the Dead. Exactly, yeah. Huh. We can't stay here. Well, you're going to have to for a while. A new original series. Well, it's not all that original. There's only use the same trailer music for all. Ah, uh, here we go. Yeah, we're gonna. It looks like we're gonna have some anti-Christian bigotry in this too. <laughs> what are you gonna do? What do you feel? I'm gonna walk out. That didn't know me. Did you hear something? Yeah, the monsters. Well, Screws with your mind. Ah, uh, maybe these are different kind of what. Yeah, there's something in the mist. Because there's no movie if there's nothing in the mist, so yeah. Wow. So uh yeah, uh I I'm going to recommend it at least to oh. follow the first episode because I did enjoy the original film. So I'll see where this goes, but uh I don't know. What? This trailer doesn't doesn't really do it for me. Here. What did it for me? Uh, because uh, it's going to have a whole series of anti-Christian bigotry, possibly. Well, <laughs> you know, maybe not. They could prove me wrong. It is just one trailer. Oh, and uh, sorry, Red. Red left us because of the apparent uh, uh, gay sex going on. But uh, a closer look at that trailer, it looks as if some guy lured this uh, gay boy in there and then beat the crap out of him oh, for being yeah, gay. But, uh, boy, he really went all in to lure him, huh? Quite exactly. Quite a make session. Hmm, yeah. Uh, boy. Uh, there's something going on there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, so there probably will be uh, the negative part here that I can already see, possibly, uh, if it's going to be like the film, where they're going to preach about people who preach. Yes, what? yes, that's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> they, but anyway, uh, uh, so yeah, I'm uh, going to take a look at that and see where it goes. Uh, maybe it'll uh, turn out to geez. be great. I don't know, but uh, going to give it a shot. Uh, well, well, me too, me too. Oh well, that's uh, that's that's good of you to weigh in, Lefty. Well, why else am I here? I'm always asking that. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, we interrupt this program to bring you this late-breaking bulletin! What? Oh my god! What? What happened? Oh, oh, oh it's Trump being impeached! Trump's being uh, impeached! No, oh, god, no, let me, no, 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 no. Uh, 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 A late addition to the coming attraction segment. Uh, 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 I said there'd be two trailers, but no, we have a third one. Uh, just... What? Just uh, released, and so we got, we got to cover that one. Oh, come it's on. It's very important. Jeez, very, what? very important. Yes. It's 
Star Wars, oh, The Last God. Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, you interrupt the show for that. Uh, yes, 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 I did. I sure did. All right, let's, uh, let's roll the trailer and take a look. Space. That's nice rock. Oh, yeah. Huh. <laughs> Whoops, looks like Ray's having a heart attack. She almost gave me a heart attack. Jeez. I thought Disney owns it. They do, but they bought the company Lucasfilm. No. The island. Just breathe. Yeah, that's what coming from. Now, reach out. The, the rocks are flying. Yeah, because she's got the force. What do you see? The movie. Oh, there's Leia. Light. Sad. Oh. Looks like they smashed up Darth Darkness. Vader's helmet. Christmas! Oh, cool. New spaceship designs, which is what the other movie was lacking. Oh, uh, the still in the hospital. Whoops. Explosions. Shooting. I only know one truth. Oh. Yeah. Space it's time for the Jedi. To end. Looks like Luke's in. Star Wars The Last Jedi! Well, yeah, it's in December because that's when Christmas is. Um, yeah. So, uh, there we go. A bit of a teaser more than a full trailer, but still. Uh, of course, needless to say, I'm totally in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, uh, looking forward surprise. to that. Uh, did enjoy. I did enjoy the uh, the Force Awakens. Uh, you know, there's little tidbits and problems here and there, but uh, uh, better than all the prequels. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, looking forward to this one. It'll be sad because of the passing of Carrie Fisher. Uh, and I did hear mention that they're going to try to reuse some footage to have her have a role in the uh, the the next chapter after this one. But uh, so yeah, sight. Uh, of course, my highest recommendation. But uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, so there you go. The, the final uh, trailer for this edition yeah, of uh, the uh, coming attractions oh, program. Well, uh, but, hmm. What's the matter, Lefty? Look, I get it that Star Wars is this uh, pop culture phenomenon. has been for decades. and Many people just love it. But I'm always troubled by all the violence in it. There's always explosions, and people shooting at each other, and cutting people up with laser swords and all that. It's just, you know, so violent and, and well, just warlike. Just warlike. And I think that's insensitive considering our times. Yeah, it uh, has the word wars in the title. Yes, I know that, but it's just wars that are... A good thing it's not healthy to be glorified. It's not necessarily glorified. Uh, it's another uh, a tale of uh, good versus evil. 
Yes, but there's an emphasis on war, Mr. Nelson. That's my point. And it's 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 just I feel wrong. So you want him to change the title of the films to just Star? So this one would be like Star, <laughs> The Last well, Jedi. It, I I don't know. I'm just trying to be helpful. Ah, yes, and the operative, or rather definitive, uh, phrase in this discourse, and in pretty much in every discourse with you, Lefty, is, I don't know. What? How dare you? That's outrageous! Oh, oh, there goes this music. And that was Coming Attractions, where Mr. Nelson sat and watched movie trailers while you sat and listened. Okay, uh, it's time to wrap this up. Uh, a few little notes here. Uh, I said earlier in the show that uh, there were, uh, the Star Wars people were going to use the uh, Carrie Fisher footage and reuse it for the uh, Chapter 9 uh, episode. Well, they're not. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, who's the head honcho of Lucasfilm, uh, she said, no, that's just a bunch of rumors. So, sorry about that. It's not going to happen, but... Uh, <laughs> That's the way it goes with these things. So uh, we'll see what they do when the when the movie comes out. Uh, there's an idea. Wait till it comes out. Also, uh, a friend of the show, uh, Pretty Princess Stacy Pressman, comedian Stacy Pressman, uh, her cat Snuggles, who uh, <laughs> kind of appeared on this show way back when I was playing the behind-the-scenes uh, clips from the uh, Halloween show that I did with uh, Stacy and Bob Levy and Joe Conti and all them, uh, uh, what the Scream of the Devil show, and then I played the outtakes because they were pretty funny, and the funniest ones was with uh, Stacy <laughs> and her cat Snuggles. Well, it appears poor Snuggles uh, hurt himself, uh, hurt his leg, and was going to need some pretty expensive surgery to repair the damage, so Stacy set up this... Uh, uh, a donation drive page. Uh, at a, I hadn't heard of this one before. Uh, it's called youcaring.com slash snuggles johan. Uh, that johan, J O H A N. Uh, you head over there and you uh, uh, donate what you can, um, kind of, and maybe spread it around so other people might want to be interested in it. Because uh, uh, it's an expensive surgery, and sadly, uh, Medicaid doesn't cover kitties, so uh, Johan's got no insurance, uh, and apparently he can't even use his mommy's insurance, so there he is, poor baby, uh, he's going to need that surgery, But uh, yeah, which I'm sure he'll get it, but in the meantime, uh, Stacy's uh, going to need some help uh, paying for that, so if you could... Uh, head over to youcaring.com slash snugglesjohan to help out Stacy and her beloved cat, Snuggles. All right. So uh, that brings an end to this uh, episode, episode 82. Uh, last week I said that one was 82. Fortunately, uh, Red Neckerton corrected it. Uh, it wasn't. That was 81. This is 82. And now it's over. Uh, again, I'd like to thank my guest, Comedian Rich Scheidner. And do check out his book, Kicking Through the Ashes. I've just ordered my copy at Amazon. You can order it there. I ordered it in paperback, so it'll be a while to get here. I'm old-fashioned that way. and uh, But you can also get it in the Kindle edition, so you could read it right now. Uh, head over there and do that at Amazon.com. 
and uh, check it out because it sounds good to me and I look forward to reading it. And then I'll invite him back on so we can talk about that. All right. Uh, so again, yes, thanks, uh, Rich Schneider, for doing my show. All right, everybody, that's it. So uh, good night. The views and opinions expressed during the Mr. Nelson Show do not necessarily reflect those held by RadioMisfits.com. So, any complaints and or comments should be sent to at Mr. Nelson on Twitter, where they will be promptly ignored and or blocked. What the hell? A whole episode of the Mr. Nelson Show and no night-night? Or at least the ASS? Fair night, night-night. For the ASS, the American Super Society, War on Terror, will return next week for the conclusion of the ASS, what? American Super Society, War on Terror Saga. Who, who the hell are you? I'm the narrator for your adventures with the ASS, the American Super Society. My narrator? What, what do you mean? What are you, invisible? Yes, to you. I am merely a disembodied voice from beyond that narrates the very details of your life. I see them, both past, present, and future. That's, that's kind of creeping me out. Oh? Well, that's too bad.